So welcome along to the recap at the end of week 24. Uh, well done on getting through another two weeks. We have gone through and are going through a very complicated section of the Bible. We have these two divided kingdoms which we started off in week 23 on the first day, day 155, of this kingdom dividing and splitting itself and everything over the next two weeks and everything over the next while actually really comes out of a result of that. So this is a good moment just to pause and to look at that, to see why it happened, maybe just to assess some of the things going on uh, and to think about those things. But first, just let me mention a few of the things we've gone through in the last two weeks. We've seen two very important figures, Elijah and Elisha. We have seen Jezebel, who you will know very well, uh, at least the term, the name, if you, you don't know what she did. Um, you'll have seen that though now. Um, you'll have seen some very weird stories, some wonderful stories. We see Elijah and the offering of Mount Carmel, where he does his little dance. Uh, and that, yeah, it's a, it's a great story, and we could look at that in itself. We have seen Elijah handing over to Elisha, and all that Elisha becomes. Elisha and his servant, Gehazi. Elisha cures um, Naaman from his skin disease and Gehazi goes ahead and thinks that he should be paid for this healing uh, and so pronounces that own suffering from Naaman on himself. We see Elisha making an iron axe float. We see him healing a pot of death, which is quite an entertaining thought for those of you who cook. Um, we see Elijah... Announcing doom, which I think is a, a great phrase. That was in day 161. Uh, and then a weird and wonderful and a story that I would quote every now and again as my favourite, which is just bizarre and included for no other reason. We see on day 164, Elisha went up to Bethel and as he was walking up the path, some small boys came out of the city and harassed him, chanting, Go up, baldy. Go up, baldy. And so, obviously he was bald, but he turns around, looks at them and curses them. And then two female bears come out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Just a really weird, random story in the middle of all else that goes on. Not quite sure why it's included. You can have your own thoughts on that. Um, just weird. Um, so there's all these things going on. There's all this stuff happening that's fitted into two, mo two weeks. And we can pass over very quickly. And indeed we will have to. But hopefully, as you've gone through this Bible in a year, you'll have maybe come across some of these stories that you'd never seen before. Maybe some stories you never thought would be in the Bible, including that one. Um, I don't know why it's there. We can talk about that another time. But what I want to look at, just very quickly, is this idea of Elijah and Elisha being prophets. And then I'm going to talk about the two divided kingdoms, which is a big part in the history. History? history of the Old Testament. So Elijah and Elisha were prophets. We kind of think of prophets prophesying and so predicting the future of looking ahead. We would want a prophet to tell us what's going to happen or what's going to come about. That's prophecy. That's not necessarily telling the future. But Elijah and Elisha were prophets and what they did, they didn't come, although they did it sometimes, to, to predict what would happen. They came to speak to the people of their day and to proclaim things to them, not just to impress them, not just to tell them about what will happen in the future and, and get some money, which was what Gehazi's hope was. But their idea of a prophet was to proclaim something to the people about them there in that moment, in that space. And so a prophet speaks to us 
in our moment, in our time, in our space to try and get us to react in that. And so it's not about predicting the future. It's about trying to change our thoughts, our hearts, our minds here and now in the present. And so that's that's a profit. We technically can be prophets as a minister. Part of my job is to try and be a prophet to people, to try and not predict the future, but to try and get them to think about their present, to think about the things that are going on and, and to call God's word into that and try and to help challenge them and help them think about those things. So that's a profit. If you think about it in those terms, it makes a lot more sense as we go on through the next uh, weeks and I'll probably remind you about that at some stage but the divided kingdoms the two kingdoms we had one before that under David under Solomon his son and then Solomon's great sin uh, his disobedience as we referred to in the last recap and his then death causes this kingdom to divide um, I'm reading out of a few different books today um, one is Introducing the Old Testament by John Drian, who says, To a large extent, the split into the two kingdoms seems to have been the natural culmination of a division that existed for much longer. The northern tribe and the southern tribe had only ever truly been united by their common allegiance to David, the king. Both groups looked on him as a leader following in the footsteps of the judges, whose position was therefore assured only because God had chosen and equipped him. His continued rule was valid only in as far as he lived up to the responsibility that was involved in such a lofty calling. Solomon, however, came to power in different circumstances and became king for no other reason than David was his father. And so the fact that Solomon had violated so many of the values associated with the Old Testament covenant, together with the fact that he was not a northerner, helped considerably to revive deeply ingrained rivalries and suspicions between these two groups of tribes. We wouldn't know anything about that in modern day. We are never suspicious of any other group, of any other tribe. We never have deeply ingrained rivalries. So that's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? But they were in the midst of Canaan. They were in the midst of, of all these other gods. Um, just to quickly go into the Lion Encyclopedia of the Bible, which is from 1978, so before I was born, but is a great encyclopedia of all the things Bible related. We're going to talk about the religion in a minute, but we also look at the two kingdoms. And in those two kingdoms, and we'll have seen this already, the historians who wrote Kings and Chronicles, and these are classed as books of history, classified the kings as good or bad, depending on whether they reformed religion or let the pagan practices continue. And so we'll have seen that. A number, of them, a number of them are said to be following in the footsteps of God, seeking after him, and others are described to be evil because they don't. They just go on with the practices that were already there by their fathers or others. Just a, a little bit of background on some of the gods. The Baals, they were Canaanite gods. The word Baal means Lord, and that was the title of Hadad the weather god. Uh, he controlled the rains, mist, dew, and so held the key to the good harvests which were essential if the Canaanites were to survive. Baal's wife was Astarte, also known as Anat, goddess of love and war. And so there's all these gods, other leading deities were Shamash, the sun, Reshef, lord of war and of the underworld, Dagon, Corn, and many lesser ones who made up the families and courts of each senior god. And so there's all these gods that the 
two tribes and two kingdoms all getting involved in, in various extents. And, and you can see why, because these are people that relied on the land, relied on weather, relied on all the systems that we know in the world. And so rather than relying on God, who looked after all these things, they became ingrained and became enticed by these other gods and the thoughts of what they could do. And so the kingdom split. We have one group that goes one way, another group that goes another way, and we really have followed that. And it, it is quite, it, it's quite hard to follow. There's a lot of, of names of kings uh, and a lot of different versions of things going on and people turning around and killing each other and seeking revenge and God blessing some and using some in some ways and not listening to others. And, and all this goes on and it's worth taking a little bit of time if you find it confusing just to try and go through it. But if you don't have that time effectively, what we're trying to show is that these two kingdoms were split because they didn't follow God's rule, God's blessing. And that's something that we'll remember from weeks and weeks ago that God set out a blessing and a curse. You'll remember that it was, if you follow me in my statutes and my commands, if you do what I declare you to do, if you follow all these things, you will be blessed. But if you don't, if you go off, if you do your own thing, if you go your own way, if you think you know better, then there will be a consequence, there will be a curse. And then just reading from Paradise to the Promised Land by Des Alexander, who's a professor in Union in Belfast. Uh, we read, after several centuries, the rebellious and sinful actions of the populations of both kingdoms bring upon them God's wrath. As a re result, as a result, sometimes I can't talk, I'm sorry. As a result, they experience defeat at the hands of foreign nations and are carried off into exile. And we'll see that in the weeks to come. The exiles experienced by both Israel and Judah, these two kingdoms, stand in sharp contrast to the narrative plot that develops out of the promises in Genesis. Whereas that promise offers hope of divine blessing, these concluding events and kings focus on God's judgment. Although the consequences of human sin may delay their fulfilment, God's commitment to his promises, especially those back in, in Genesis to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, never wavers. While Kings explains why God's judgment has descended with terrible severity upon the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, there remains the hope that in spite of this, God will yet bring to pass all that he has promised. And that's what we'll see over the coming weeks. That's what we'll see out of a result of this divided kingdom, these two kingdoms. That's what we'll see in the midst of these prophets who speak in the midst of them to tell them about that time and that place there and now as they wrestle with this idea of other worship, of other gods, of other deities, of their god in the midst of it. And the fact that, as we read in Desi's there, they have to be patient in the midst of it. They have to reflect upon their own lives and be patient uh, and see what way they will go. Because although God is bringing this punishment and judgment upon them now, his fulfilment to his promises never wavers. And the hope of that never wavers. And so this is a, a time of patience. And uh, maybe that speaks to you in your own life at the minute uh, as you're going through something. And patience is something that you find hard uh, and something you're struggling with uh, and you're not going through what you want. Hopefully you can see a little bit of yourself in these stories and hopefully you'll see a little bit of hope uh, and the promises that God gives in the midst of them. If you have any other questions, email me. Um, get in touch through the Facebook page share these to let other people know they're there um, give me comments ideas um, of what we're going to do but thank you again for continuing to listen and we hope you enjoyed these week 23 and 24